Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. When the people of Israel left Egypt, it wasn't a fun adventure or some exciting trip they were embarking on. They were leaving that which they knew and which they had become comfortable with, no matter how difficult for a pilgrimage with countless unknowns. As we place ourselves in that story, it invites us to wonder, how might God be calling us to leave home, that which is comfortable? What must we do to embark into the unknown in ways that help us expand our spiritual capacity? This week's message of the week comes from Pastor Jen Tyler, who shares the story of the Israelites and their departure from Egypt and challenges us to leave what we know and exchange it for situations that God is calling us to that might just make us uncomfortable. Here is the First Church message of the week. So this weekend, we are kicking off this new sermon series that uh, we are titling The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Gospel, uh, an intentional play on word that I hope uh, brings you joy as I makes me laugh as we play on words a little to the 70s radio show by that name, or maybe you know better, the movie that came out in 2005. Uh, We are going to talk a little, as Sandy mentioned, about the adventures that we go on throughout the series and how God goes with us in all the places or adventures that we go on. And my hope throughout this series, as referred to a little by the title of it, is that we would, throughout these next several weeks, be reminded of the ways that we can connect to and rely on God. Like in the movie, how there is literally an electronic guide to all of the universe and the galaxy. Uh, Throughout this series, we're going to rely on our different guide, on the guide that we find in Scripture that we can use to lead and guide us throughout our lives. And specifically, as we come and go on our own adventures and travel, my hope is that we would pause to reflect along the way on not just the fact, but also the specific ways that God goes with us. And for some of us, we know when we talk about going on these adventures that for some of us, these are big, grand summer adventures, like some of the travels that I know you all have gotten to go on this summer, or some of our families have said are yet going on in the coming weeks as they try to get away one last time before the school year starts. For others, or I dare say all of us, I also hope that our reflections in in this time together will also invite us to look and see God on the everyday journeys of our lives. Whether we are heading on a trip quickly to the grocery store or down the hallway to get our evening meal, I hope we will find ways to redefine what our adventures or journeys can look like as we are reminded that God is with us and all around us. And God is inviting us to be mindful, to be open to curiosity and wonder and reflection and maybe even transformation that can take place when we are open to experiencing God in unexpected ways. And so as we jump into this series together, I want to invite you to pray with me. Gracious and loving God, as we listen for your word this day, We ask that you would speak to us in new and powerful ways, opening our ears that we might hear your voice clearly in our midst. Open our eyes that we might see you clearly and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. 
Amen. So as you might guess, and as may also be true for you, I meet a lot of new people all the time. And while I have confessed to many of you before that I'm really awful at remembering names, I try to remember specific details about folks. And so when you meet someone for the first time, usually there are a couple of standard questions. We want to ask each other our names, and if it's the first time I've met you, I'll probably forget it. But then there are other things we learn about each other too, right? Like what do you or did you do for a living? Or my personal both favorite and least favorite is what do you like to do for fun? And that's my favorite and least favorite because sometimes I don't know how to answer it. If I'm honest, my favorite thing to do for fun is to be with good people. I don't care if we are going for a walk or playing a game or watching a movie. I just want to be in good company with good people doing things that bring you joy. And that truly is my favorite pastime. But that's kind of a boring answer, right? Because they're like, well, when you get with good people, what do you do? I'm like, my other favorite thing to do that perhaps is a more exciting answer is travel. Traveling is my first love and life, whether it is a short drive to some of these little towns in the area that have more to offer than we might guess, or it is a big trip like I got to go on when I got to go camping this summer in Yellowstone National Park for the first time or whether it is a flight to the other side of the world where nothing looks or sounds or smells very familiar. For me, everything about travel, large or small adventure alike, everything about it for me feels like a welcome adventure. Well, almost everything. Um, Part of what I love about getting to see new places or taste different foods or have new experiences, part of what I love about that is the enjoyment of getting to meet interesting people along the path with whom I might not have otherwise ever gotten to meet. I appreciate moments and opportunities like when I was at Yellowstone this summer, when we stood in front of Old Faithful, not only did I get to marvel at the wonder that Old Faithful is, but I couldn't help but to think about how millions of people before me had stood perhaps even in that exact same one-inch block that I was standing in, one-foot block, I can't stand in an inch. Uh, Maybe I should stick to my script sometimes, no. Uh, no No matter how many times I travel or go to new places, I have those moments, right, where I can't help but to think about how amazing it is that you get to share that experience with millions of people from far away places around the globe and what a gift that is. And when I reflect on moments like that, it reminds me both of how small the world is and of how great and expansive our God is. It also, along the way, helps me learn a bit about myself. After all, there's nothing that can help us see what about our lives is unique as stepping outside of our own culture when we realize that maybe some of the things that feel normal and every day are not for some people. Sometimes that could be as simple as an argument over if it's a tomato or tomato on that back table, or whether we call it pop or soda or Coke, depending on what part of the country you were raised in. And it's really a bit like anything. Real, If we really think about it, Sometimes figuring out what we believe or what we think is right can, well, come a little easier if we first figure out what we don't believe or think is right. 
I mean, if you want to figure out, since Sandy used this example of food today, if you want to figure out what foods you like most of all, you have to try a bunch of foods first, right? But you also have to take some risks and be willing to taste things that you don't like so that you can eliminate those. And I think food is a good example of different ways we can move beyond our comfort zone or different ways that our cultures, when we travel and experience different ones, food's a good example of how they vary. I mean, in some places of the world, they eat insects on purpose because it's good nutrients and protein and fiber. And some of you are making faces at me already because if you're like me, I have never eaten an insect on purpose, hopefully not ever, but you know, uh, The people that I do know who have eaten insects, by the way, usually it's for only one of two reasons, right? Because it was a cultural experience in a new place with new people and you thought, I'm going to be brave, or you did it on a dare, right? For most people, that's the case. But sometimes we do things just for the sense of the adventure of it, right? I know for me, when it comes to food and traveling, the first time I ever went to South Africa, uh, I quickly decided that my personal policy, as I traveled from home to home on a bit of a pilgrimage myself, my personal policy around food is that I would eat or at least taste, try, any food that was served to me if I hadn't had it before. But I did make one specific request of the host that was serving it. And that was that they did not tell me what it was in advance. That way I could decide if I actually liked it before I got grossed out at the idea of what I was eating, right? And that's how I have come to know for sure that I do not like eating tongue, specifically beef tongue. Uh, I tried it. I didn't know what I was eating. I asked them to not tell me, and the group around me all watched in anticipation. Uh, I have to say that the texture was awful, and the taste wasn't that much better, at least not for me. And once I decided after my first bite that I didn't need any more of it, I asked what it was, and my host told me with a bit of a giggle along the side, acknowledging that they'd never met an American who ate that on purpose. And it was in that moment that became memorable because I made the joke that they have not let me forget since then that I chose correctly because none of us should be eating food that can taste us back. And while, yeah, and while I don't need to eat lengua again anytime soon, I am grateful, though, for the experience and the adventure of trying new things. I am grateful for what it taught me about being open along the way, about trying my very best to, as they say, walk in someone else's shoes, to experience life from a different perspective. Food is a good way that I have learned to try and be open to people and cultures and ideas and traditions around me. And I wish that I could honestly say that I keep that kind of openness to everything in life, But if I'm honest, it's something that in some areas I need to continue working on because we're all works in progress, aren't we? So while I try to do that, well, I mean, that's part of why we're gathering here, isn't it? To try and learn from one another and more specifically from scripture about how we can more faithfully follow God and honor one another while keeping our hearts and our minds open to what God might have in store for us next. After all, I think the most faithful followers of God, as found in Scripture, did exactly that. 
In their most faithful moments, they managed to let go of their own preconceived notions of what they thought would be best moving forward. Instead, they let go of those things and followed God whom they trusted to show them the way. And that is certainly the case in our scripture reading that I want to share for us today from Exodus chapter 13. This, I would argue, is the ultimate story of leaving our comfort zones, of taking some risk in search of ways to trust in God and to live into God's goodness. This is the story of the Israelites fleeing from Egypt. And it isn't the whole story. We could be here for quite a while if we read all of it. But I'm going to read the part in select verses from chapter 13 of Exodus where they are just setting forth. Starting in verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving, Succothic camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Here ends our reading today. Now, when I think about this very, very beginning part of the Israelites who barely even left, we're just kind of being given the scope of what this journey is going to look like here, right? And it reminds me of when I'm leaving on a trip, because I don't know about you, but when I'm leaving on a trip, especially if it's a road trip, I usually feel like I'm already on vacation by the time we leave town. And I say town specifically because when I pull out of that driveway, I'm still worried about whether all the lights are off and the doors are locked and what else I might have forgotten that I should have packed. But by the time we leave town, too bad. If I forgot it, I forgot it. And there is freedom to being out in that adventurous road trip that awaits us, whether it's 15 hours or 15 minutes it's nice to be able to leave those responsibilities and worries behind when you head out on a trip, isn't it? And so when I'm heading home, though, doesn't that feel really different? For me, all those things come rushing back. The moment we are packed up and loaded in the car, I think, okay, I'm ready to get back to my bed. I want to know if we're in a safe place I call home, like I can't wait to get there or to see my dog if I left him behind. Uh, I've been known to be the annoying person who does it on purpose on a road trip who will ask my partner like I did on our trip from Yellowstone this summer about every 20 minutes. So are we there yet? Because I'm ready to get to the things. I know that I have a to-do list waiting for me. I know that we somehow use too many clothes on our trip and I have a laundry list that is never going to end, whether it's actual laundry or the work stuff that's going to need done or maybe the groceries because you're going to come home to an empty fridge or this time of year, that lawn that somehow managed to not cut itself while you were gone, right? 
There's a lot of stuff that comes with that. And the moment we head towards home, those things come rushing back. And it's that rushing back feeling with the overwhelming and the questions and what are you going to get home to and what did you forget and what do you have to do and how is this going to go? That's a bit of what I imagine the Israelites were experiencing as they left Egypt, even though they hadn't even gotten to the relaxing part of the journey yet. We know that they were hesitant to go at first, but eventually they gave in. And I like to think that at least for a fleeting moment there, they were full of energy and excitement as they finally headed out towards this new promised land. But then as they set foot and tried to leave home, they took a wrong turn. The scripture tells us that God did not lead them on the road that was shorter. Now, they were traveling on foot. So I cannot help but to wonder here how that felt for them because they were living in a land that they knew. They knew not exactly where they were going, but the direction for sure that they should be heading. And yet, God, it tells us, took them the long way. I'm sure they knew they would get there eventually, but why would anyone want to go the long way? It's a bit like if I said to you, I think we should take a group trip to the courthouse. So let's all leave out this door over here on Broadway and head south together. Would anyone be a little irritated with that? That's a little bit how I imagine the Israelites feeling. And honestly, I think it's a little how we feel sometimes when we leave our home, whether it's our physical home or our emotional safety net of home. Sometimes it's filled with anticipation or excitement, yes, but also with some trepidation as we venture beyond that which is known or safe or within our own control. And if we read this whole story of the Israelites who kept wandering and traveling and looking for their new home of the promised land, we would read that they didn't just do this for a day or two or a block or so out of the way, but they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years! I cannot imagine anyone imagined it would have taken a fraction of that time when they set out. And some of their adventures along the way, it's worth naming, they were without a doubt miraculous and wonderful and God-filled, and they saw that. They were filled with sustenance, and they were given relief, like when the manna came raining down from heaven, or when they were in the desert and thirsty, and God gave them water that poured forth from a rock. But their story of wandering was filled with other stuff, too. It was filled with their shortcomings, like the countless times that they forgot that God was with them. Too often, they would even look back on what had been, on what we might call some of the good old days, right? And even though those days were awful because they were literally living as slaves, well, sometimes they, like we, we just long for the familiar, don't we? Even if it's not easy, even if it's not perfect, we long for the things that we can predict, that we know, that are comfortable, that won't challenge us every step of the way. But the truth is, like for the people of Israel thousands of years ago, some things 
Well, some things are the same for us as they haven't changed very much. I mean, if we look back like the Israelites could have after those 40 plus years of wandering, I imagine that for us, just like them, it was in our own times of challenge. In our own times when we left home or the familiar or let go of control, it was in those moments that our growth happened. It was in those times of moving beyond our comfort zones or trying new things when we learned to trust in God and to rely more on our faith. Sometimes doing this can be fun, right? Like an adventure that we call vacation when everything runs smoothly and we get to learn all about who we are and see new people and places. Maybe your vacations run perfect and you never have hiccups along the way, right? But maybe not. Maybe even our well-intentioned things mean that you're going to end up accidentally eating tongue, which you definitely don't prefer over chicken. Other times, we know that struggles like that, well, they make us think, maybe next time we'll just have a staycation. Maybe we'll just stay home and stick to our routine. Hold on to that which is comfortable, no matter how hard it might be. We don't like venturing into the unknown that we can't control, that we can't quite imagine. Even if we sense that God is calling us to something different, it's easier to be safe, isn't it? But as we place ourselves in this story, I can't help but to wonder how God might be calling you to let go, to take a new kind of risk, to let go of that which is comfortable in order to grow closer to God and to grow deeper in your faith. Sometimes this means that we have to do the tough work that makes us uncomfortable along the way, like maybe meeting the neighbors that you've been avoiding or talking to the person you see out on a walk by themselves every day. It means that we should take risks like join a new small group at church to meet future friends that you call strangers. Or maybe you should join a group where you know you're going to be challenged because you're going to have to learn from folks that you know you're not going to agree with. It could also mean good things, right? Not all of these things are hard. Maybe you have these gifts within you that you know you have, but you're not quite ready to admit because we've been taught to be humble. Maybe God is prompting you to use those gifts, to sign up to volunteer with children or the elderly or singing in the choir or serving in a leadership role that intimidates you. Things that you know you're called to do but are not quite feeling brave enough to do. Because all around us, every day, there are opportunities like these, and this is a very short list of them, for us to leave our comfort zones, to let go of control, and to trust in God in our physical, emotional, and spiritual lives. These opportunities, the best ones at least, almost always feel like they are big risks They're gonna, that are going to take us away maybe from that which we've known or that which feels safe or comfortable or familiar. But as the Israelites discovered in their years of wandering in the desert, there is no place that we can go. There is no thing that you can do where God is not going to be present with you, where God is not going to continue leading you by day and by night. 
And so as we remember this story today and the incredible amount of trust that it took for the Israelites to go forth and follow God in this way out into the wilderness and beyond anything they could begin to imagine, may we remember that as God brought the Israelites forth, taking them to the promised land that may have taken longer than they imagined, God didn't just invite some of them to go. It wasn't just the most faithful among them or the most capable or articulate or confident or certain. God did not invite just some of the Israelites to go. God invited all of them to go, each and every one of them. And in the same way, God invites each and every one of us to follow God, to trust in God, to let go of a little bit of that control that we cling to so tight, to know that God is longing for you to take that next step. Each and every one of us, the young and the older than the young, (laughs) the faithful and the unsure, the rabble-rousers and the rule-followers, each and every one of us are invited to go and follow God. And so, friends, that today is our invitation to know that God longs for you, to know that you are beloved and worthy and called and equipped. Will you go forth and follow where God leads? Let's pray. Mighty and merciful God, we give you thanks for your ever-present spirit that is within and around us. We thank you for the ways that you help us to trust in you. And when you give us the gift of faith, O God, may you help us to know that it is you and you alone who can lead us to that place where we will find everlasting peace and abundant joy. And so may we trust in you this and every day as we go forth in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.